Uh, hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the India Independent Films Podcast, where we talk about films and film writing. My name is Pankaj. I write on my blog, Dichotomy of Irony, and also contribute articles on IIF. Uh, I have again with me Rahul Desai, critic for the film Companion. Um, so today we'll talk a little bit on Vishal Bhardwaj and his trilogy of uh, Shakespearean uh, films. And then if there is time left, we'll probably discuss some another actor. Uh, so before I go there, it's, I think it's been three, four weeks. We've yeah. How have you been and anything interesting on your side that you watched? Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Um, I've um, I've been fine. I've been busy, uh, as usual, like reviewing stuff every week. But uh, there's, I think uh, it's been an interesting month or so because um, I think there were uh, quite a few politically expressive films or interesting titles uh, in the last 40 days or so, at least in Hindi cinema. Um, I didn't watch Kerala stories. I, we, I stayed away from that because I only review films. I don't review um, um, propaganda vehicles like that anymore. But uh, I really liked Sudhir Mishra's Afwa, which released in theaters, um, I think, last month. I'm not sure. Or earlier this month. Um, I, I, thought it was a, I thought it was a very interesting film because it's not only set in like the current climate um it's also not afraid to be um very blatant about uh, about what side it takes right like because we see a lot of um i mean when we see right-wing films like kashmir files and kerala stories and all you see how uh, shameless and blatant and almost fake they are most of the time i feel like um leftist filmmakers like sudhir mishra when they make films like this uh sort of it's almost like they are trying to speak in the same language but at the same time speak only in facts rather than you know fiction and i thought it was uh, it was a pretty smart film it was self aware uh, not all of it worked because i think he went a little overboard in his satirical um, in his satirical tone but uh, i think if if people have a opportunity to watch that whenever it comes on ott hopefully whenever it does um, I think people should catch that. I really like The Heart, the new web series on Amazon Prime, uh, created by <clears throat> Zoya Akhtar and Rima Kakti. I thought, again, that was a very smart show. Uh, a lot of people, I mean, it was divisive also. I think uh, it didn't get um, the sort of critical acclaim or reaction that I expected it to, because I think a lot of people chose to also look at it as a serial killer drama. And uh, a lot of them were disappointed that where was the suspense? Because from the first episode onwards, we know who the killers are. I, I, I chose to look at it as a, a different sort of... Uh, I thought the serial killer part of it was more of a... Was more of a smokescreen to sort of express uh, other deeper themes in society. Whether it be uh, gender, whether it be caste, um, and a bunch of other things. So I thought it was a very smartly made show. Uh, wasn't a fan of the way it ended or the last episode in general. It looked a little rushed, but I think uh, it was one of my favorite Hindi web shows of the year after Trial by Fire. Um, <clears throat> and um, yeah, that's those are the two interesting things, and at least in Hindi cinema, I watched over the last month or so, at least since last we talked. Yeah, 
I haven't watched the Har yet. I will watch, but it reminds me, you know, a little bit of the Lash, which again people get stuck on the yeah. ghost aspect, <laughs> while it's more about you yeah. know like uh, the grief and the father uh, son story exactly. sort of a thing. Uh, I think exactly. I think they're pretty good at that uh, sort of genre, but it is what it is. Okay, yeah. yeah. You know, before we start, I read this. Uh, uh sort of the profile in the new yorker about this uh the ghost writer of you know andre agassi and prince harry he's the same guy his name is jm something he wrote this line which i just reminded me of what we've spoken and what you've said here before so somebody asked him like you know how are you so confessional uh in you know in his see he wrote a memoir and that's why andre agassi reached out to him that he wants him to write his own uh, uh biography like that so then he asked him this one question that how are you so confession like you know so then then that guy says that that's how you know you can trust a writer because who is willing to get raw so it just reminded me of you you know when i was reading about it so and we've spoken about it like how uh, sort of uh, open you are in terms of you know talking about your life uh, uh, in writing so just uh, mm-hmm. want to do mention that okay uh, you know so today we spoke we'll talk a little bit about vishal bhardwaj uh, and the three uh, makbul omkara and heather i'll first ask by what's your favorite among the three or do you have a favorite among the three uh i think uh, yeah i think we maybe mentioned it earlier but as i said you know earlier i feel like it changes if the more i evolve or the more i grow as a person so um I, see i'm not going to lie like vishal badwat sort of intimidates me as a filmmaker because he's he's very um rooted very complex as a storyteller and his adaptations and i'm not a big fan of adaptations but uh, his adaptations are how i imagine a lot of people lot of filmmakers grew up wanting to adapt uh, classics you know that's how you do it you make it your own but you also retain the essence of the original so i feel right now at this moment if you ask me that question uh, <clears throat> i'd say um i'd probably say omkara is my favorite at this moment but you know last year i i remember mentioning that it was makbul also so it changes because i i was rewatching parts of makbul recently for this podcast also and um, heather i've always maintained that you know um i wasn't as blown away by it as um as i should have been maybe but again i i admire vishal badwat's his work and his vision more than i love it and hopefully i'll find an answer while talking about him during this podcast but um, yeah like i i think at this moment if you ask me i think omkara is probably my favorite and then you know you brought up an interesting sort of thing and i was reading uh, tanul uh, thakur he had written in his review of pataka mm. which i still remember he you know he spoke about like uh, like he didn't like pataka uh, that much but then he made this point in one of his paragraphs where he said that you know mm. like Bhardwaj he's made like 7 8 films and barring like Heather and Makbul Omkara Saath Khun Maaf Matru Ki Bijli Rangoon mm. they have been largely uneven yeah. and then you know there is like and then he mentioned this talk about like Anurag Kashyap and uh, Imtiaz Banerjee we sort of uh, mm. praise these guys 
just because you know our expectations are low and then being slightly yes. better than the ordinary shouldn't be a compliment it should be a reminder mm. of the long winding road ahead do you think vishal bhadwaj mm. has lost a little bit of his you know <clears throat> uh, given his last few films have been largely sort of uneven or do you disagree with that uh i sort of agree and disagree with that i wouldn't put i mean see vishal bhadwaj filmography has been mostly uneven and it's true that our standards are so low that we tend to look up at a lot of filmmakers who do who take risks or who are brave enough to express their own voice uh, uh but at the same time i feel like i i never felt like vishal bhadwaj um is the sort of filmmaker who lies squarely at the center of commercial hindi cinema i always felt like he's taking more chances than most others he's being a little more uncompromising than most others uh you know i can't say the same about his work on rangoon uh, but i could say that no other filmmaker would get away with making films like uh, matru ki bijli and uh, even pataka for that matter these are very slight films these are very unique um, niche films um, that you can only sense that he is also trying to get better at his own craft or his own storytelling while making these films uh, and we also know that his adaptations is a rare filmmaker whose adaptations have been somewhat more even than his originals or more consistent than his original work and uh, i guess because and i th- i don't think there's a better all-rounder in the hindi film industry i don't think there's a better craftsman uh, i don't think there's someone more in control of all departments uh, ironically the one element he probably lacks is that cohesiveness and that finishing touch in storytelling um and which which i feel like sometimes when you work at an elevated level as a craftsman uh, as an artist i think sometimes you tend to overlook or take for granted the easiest parts of filmmaking which is sometimes for a lot of people that is writing or telling the story or even crafting it before trying to go about and film it and then make it your own so i think that's one of the drawbacks also being um, both a visionary a writer and a director because Uh, and we know that he's a musician we know that he's a lyricist we know uh, that he does a bunch of things so i think because of that sometimes he uh, maybe lacks in in the most fundamental uh, department which is basically starting uh, with with a story starting with a screenplay and i think uh, i can't fault him for the kind of images he puts on screen the kind of sounds he puts on screen but yes i can fault him over a period of time for not being um not putting all his power and all his talent uh into something truly uh, sort of legendary or memorable because if we think of some of the best hindi films in the past 60 or 70 years so many people make lists every year i don't think that would be a vishal badwaj film in that and that says a lot because uh he is truly one of the best sort of um filmmakers we have today but i can't say that say the same about him as a storyteller so i guess i feel like his best is still ahead i think he still has a lot to do and uh, i'm waiting for what kind of vishal badwa turns up with his next few films but uh, yes over the last 4 or 5 years on the evidence we have so far i think when he's not making adaptations i think he look it's like a batsman having too much time to play their shots right they don't know then which shot to play and more often than not i think 
his short selection is a little hmm. is a little off key because of that yeah. so you know let me talk about heather which is related to the way you mentioned afwa you know you mentioned like how uri is a dangerous film you know it was sort of very yeah. uh, subtle not subtle but like a propaganda would you say the same for heather and i have a reason for that which but i let you uh, complete like again it's a leftist sort of a film but would you mm. yeah. see aspects of propaganda in heather or is it just a little bit of you know like the typical right wing fantasy that's been happening uh, right now mm. no i i think i i wouldn't call it it that's an interesting point but i wouldn't call it like leftist propaganda or something that's a very again that's a very right wing term that's easy in hindsight to label films like heather as that i feel like there was a if you look at it truly sure there was some great storytelling in that and sure it's a very memorable film in many aspects but i also feel there's a lot of research and truth that went into that film i don't think it was after one particular agenda i don't think it was down uh, it was out to um, criticize the establishment i don't think it was out to i thought it was out to express a conflict that has been unfair to a certain region for years and years and the sort of insurgent the kind of the way it expressed the insurgency through this story of um, basically hamlet i think it was um, i think it was a very smart thing to do because when you make shakespearean adaptations i think the biggest challenge in countries like india or in countries like densely populated countries and very complex and diverse countries like uh, the south asian countries i feel like the main challenge is to find the suitable setting and environment that is the adaptation the adaptation isn't what you do to the story uh, i think that comes out of the setting and i think he chose a very fertile period in terms of choosing kashmir and uh, and i don't think it was as one sided as people still believe it was i think uh, uh the tragedy of it all actually says a story and it also says that uh, it's probably a never ending conflict and it's probably uh, there have been classics and there have been uh, legends and fiction that has been consumed by this conflict is my reading of the film mm-hmm. and even shakespeare cannot resist this uh, he cannot survive this conflict is is it's it's almost like life is colliding with uh, with literature and with cinema with art and i think life is fortunately or unfortunately winning that battle and in this case that's a tragedy and i think uh, using kashmir as a backdrop um, to tell that particular story set in that particular period of insurgency i think that's a uh, and with those characters i think that's exactly what maybe bharadwaj was going for and i'd like to read most of his shakespearean adaptations like that right the reason i asked it i i loved heather i mean i am like you know but i think we both are all like sort of mature audiences that who can also yeah. figure out you know like not every film has to be perfect so i read this piece by this author arnab ray and he made this point on heather that you know it ignores the religious conflict in like the root cause of Kash- root cause in kashmir is the religious uh, nature of the conflict but he made this one point of you know the kashmiri pandit struggle has been largely ignored and then there was this military guy i think ashish vidyarthi plays that you know there is this one line he says that you know what about kashmiri pandit but 
that guy has been portrayed as a liar in the film so in a way the film is also trying to negate the proper, like you know the suffering of kashmir uh, kashmiri pandits which made me think a little mm-hmm. bit more about it but yes i think he vishal bhadraj himself has said that he's more on the you know he wanted to just portray the mm-hmm. struggle of kashmir but again i just you know i thought it was a very interesting observation that mm-hmm. the writer made you know sometimes we probably ignore these things and you know like uh, it was just an interesting so that's why i just interested in these okay let's move on and it's on. a reason films like uh, it's a reason like these films like kashmir files also have then been born right like it's yeah. that bitterness of being sort of ignored in like uh, in sort of films like that or in stories or in discourse in general in liberal discourse that uh, has sort of stoked that sort of fire that a lot of people feel wronged about and uh, sometimes that can get very political i and i i remember that scene that you mentioned that moment and it's a very notable moment and uh, i feel like i don't think the intention there was to mm. absolutely negate or invisibilize a people yeah. uh, and a community i think the intention there was to sh- uh, reveal the fact that sometimes when uh the past the history or the past of a people is very traumatic i think um a lot of external forces can then use that um and it right. grows in your mind it mutates in your mind in a certain way and a lot of external forces then can take advantage of that vulnerability because that bitterness uh, expressed by that character in the film is exactly what is preyed on by the films being made today yeah. or by the people who are behind those films and i think that vulnerability in people where people feel like they've been wrong but which is why they are also willing to believe that the numbers are inflated or the magnitude of the tragedy right. is inflated uh, to express their personal tragedy i think um, that bitterness has been expressed in that moment in that film and i think it was fairly uh, prophetic in that sense because see what's happening right. now absolutely okay uh, is magbool one of irfan's best performance that made you notice him as well <clears throat> yes uh, it definitely made me notice him because i think a lot of us were very unfamiliar with him before that as is obvious um i think that's when i probably watched irfan for the first time at an extended stretch and i didn't even know who he was because we were very young i was like in my teens also and i didn't know what to make of the film because i was too young to understand the complexities behind it and to even understand the adaptation part of it but i was instantly struck by how striking um someone like irfan is and um, i i wouldn't say it's his best performance but i think it's his most um i think it's his path breaking it's his most uh, important performance i know a lot of people say that um, um that um, the the racing uh, the film where he plays a racer uh, the runner where he plays the runner uh pansing pansing tomar yeah. i think a lot of people say that pansing tomar uh, was sort of a breakout in that sense for him in terms of commercial in this you know in terms of getting noticed also because i remember that film was in cold storage for a while and when it came out i remember the hype behind it and them noticing irfan like oh wow where has this guy been for so many years but he he'd been around and vishal badwaj has and filmmakers like vishal badwaj have extracted sort of uh, you know the kind of talent and out of him that we didn't think was possible so i i definitely say it's probably 
a very important performance in terms of the hindi cinema we see today because if not for that film we wouldn't have known uh, we wouldn't have looked at irfan the way we did over the next 10 years and he wouldn't have realized the kind of hunger that then made him one of the greatest actors not just in hindi cinema but in indian cinema um so i think um, i i definitely think that it's right up there for him and uh, even when i watch parts of it now there are such striking um little moments uh, where he sort of turns the film on his own and you know for a fact that it's not the director it's the actor as much and uh, yeah i i i'd still say that i've seen better performances but and i i'm not a like even the film is a little has rough edges you know you can tell that vishal bhadwaj is still coming to terms with the limitlessness of his craft and there's still some shabby parts in that film on a technical level uh, which were ironed out by the time he made films like omkar and kamine especially so i feel like makbul uh, in terms of pure storytelling is right up there and uh, but you know i i still think irfan has done better work what were your some of your favorite moments uh i think the uh, i think the last in the last 20 minutes entirely was a favorite moment for me like i i i won't even pick out one moment as such mm-hmm. but just the urgency you know it it sort of reminded the kind of feeling i went through when i was watching it recently again um and that urgency and that like heartburn i was feeling while watching it and the way the rhythm builds up also reminded me on a very different level of the last 20 minutes of kapoor and sons because of the way it was constructed because of the sort of suspense building and because of the filmmaker being at the top of uh, their game and trying to make the audience feel a certain thing you know and um i don't i also have to say that irfan suffers on screen better than anyone else uh at least in terms of contemporary actors like i i don't think you can see as much pain or hurt or even physical uh or physical suffering on someone's some actor's face as you can on irfan which is you know over the years i've noticed that in most of his films it's not just internal it's even the way he portrays his external sort of suffering uh, and i think that was most evident in makbul and i think that was most evident in the last 15 or 20 minutes um i, I think it was a i think it was one of the most important passages of hindi cinema in that decade between 2000 and 2010 and uh, without makbul i don't think i would have looked at omkara the same way uh, i wouldn't have looked at heather the same way so i i i just think that it's one of the better uh, uh, final acts or even half of the final acts i've seen in contemporary sort of hindi cinema hmm. and he has such a expressive eyes you know we like, uh, like yeah. very different eyes you can make out like uh, uh, yeah have you seen hasil and do you remember hasil although it's not related but i have i've seen hasil but i know i i know why you asked that question i've seen hasil but i don't remember a lot of it but you know if i think about hasil i get a if you ask me like with if i hadn't watched makbul for a long time if i hadn't watched all these films for a long time I, it'd be very difficult to tell um in terms of uh in terms of the kind of cinema it is the kind of setting it's talking about the kind of actors we are talking about i think it's very difficult to distinguish between these films um and i think time has been kinder to these films than it was when it back, uh, released them but again i've seen it only once when when it released i used to watch every friday any new film that used to come out but i, I have not revisited a lot of them mm. yeah 
Now, you know, this might be a little weird question, but all these three sort of films have this element of jealousy, you know, Magpur, Omkara, and uh, Heather also, like, with the mother and the son thing. Yeah. Do you think jealousy is a very powerful emotion that it can drive people to such lengths? Have you thought uh, about it? I- I think uh, I think a lot of in general I think 80% of Shakespeare's work is Shakespeare's work is also based on this very powerful emotion I feel like jealousy is a very potent narrative device uh, over time I, I feel like storytelling and films and literature have built it up into something more than just an emotion um, you know it's something on which entire worlds can turn and we do that with most emotions it's not just jealousy it's anger it's rage it's grief, it's uh, it's lot of them. The whole point is that it's amplified in films. But what I find interesting about jealousy in these three films is that um, the characters are very much product, products of their settings. And most of them are sort of um, sort of marginalized, small town, um, backwater settings in that sense. The, it's not very urban compared to a lot of other films or adaptations we see. And I feel like because most of the characters are products of those settings and because politics plays such an important role in all of these films, I feel like jealousy is a very integral part of the human beings in these films. Now that jealousy sometimes comes out in terms of politics, in terms of professionally, even uh, Saifli Khan Langratyagi is jealous of so many things in that film, which is what drives him to use that same weapon of jealousy against, you know, Ajay Devgan's character. So uh, I, I feel like it's not a singular emotion in any of these films and because of that um, I found it very convincing and I'm not a big fan of like obviously like jealousy in general is a very ugly emotion uh, but sometimes I feel like Vishal Bhadwaj sees the aesthetic um, sense of jealousy and he uses it I feel like at least in these three films he's used it better than I've seen in most other films and I'm talking about all languages and because the story turns on that emotion. I feel sometimes we tend to judge that uh, particular feeling a little harder than others. But I, I just feel like um, the characters were ingrained to feel that emotion more naturally and more organically than say something something that love, something like love or something like uh, admiration or nobility. So I feel like um, it, it's for us, it's something as simple as and I feel jealousy is a part of everyone. It's a part of writers uh, in different levels. We see others work and get jealous, but it's just that it's not it's not as toxic as we see in films. But in this, we may think it's toxic, but I don't think the characters think that when they are doing uh, when they are going through it. So, so I guess that's how Bharadwaj uses it. I think very well. Right. And now you just reminded me, even like. Uh, how we also spoke about modern love, right? The same mother and the son yeah. and, you know, it just struck me right now, like, that's also sort of she's behaving in such a way. But it's like yeah. sort of, again, jealousy, but that's has something else going on, like, because she doesn't want to let go of her son. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Now, um, uh, is, uh, like, uh, did you have any hard time understanding the language of Omkara? when you watched it. Yeah, I did. I watched Omkara twice in two days. I remember that. Uh, and I did definitely have yeah. uh, 
a problem understanding the language i won't pretend of course now if you look at it sure you understand what's happening in the film but the nuances is in the language it's not just like the film itself so yeah i did and i did go to watch it back again with a different set of friends because i wanted to actually understand truly now what was happening within the scenes because i understood wholly what happened in the film the first time but the second time i wanted to go intra and understand what each character was saying and how they were feeling and yeah i did and i also like the audacity of a film of a hindi filmmaker like vishal badwaj to make a film like that in a language that's familiar but also not familiar and a very mainstream film at that and then you know uh, leave it to the audience to figure it out right that's why i asked because you know he didn't dumb it down like you know like not at all typically they filmmakers either they add subtitles and that sort of thing i think sonchidia also didn't do it and uh, yeah. like this omkara also like otherwise they start speaking in hindi you know so that this uh, like character starts speaking in hindi is it saif's best performance omkara yeah it is uh, i know it's his most hype performance and uh, i know that it's the one thing everyone thinks of when they think of saif but uh, i'd say it's the it's the moment we all started taking him seriously as an actor till then i think he was mostly um, a very very adequate multi starring guy like in 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 he was good when there were other actors in the film when there were co heroes in the film i think he was good in light hearted films and rom coms um, because he has such an urban gait and he comes from you know he's blue blooded but to even think of casting saif as this person langda tyagi as someone so um, not just rural in a way but even the way he sort of went about the antagonism of his character there was nothing of the safe we knew before that that we saw in that character and uh, and i know like safe did a couple of negative roles in that decade you know even though you know homi had uh, being cyrus and uh, a couple of others and i think uh, this changed our perception and not just our hindi cinema's perception towards saif as an actor as well and i think after that um, is when um, he was started to put in uh, he was looked at as more than just another khan or another star or another uh, rich brat from a royal family and i think uh, it was a very necessary role and i still enjoy that role very much i still enjoy his equation with deepak dobriyal in that film and how he manipulates that uh, character and the way saif goes about it i don't think i've seen that spark uh, since then and of course saif has become very proficient at playing negative characters after that over the years and we've we've always enjoyed it when he's played it because he understands the he understands that fine line between hamming it up and also uh, basically playing to the gallery but also staying true to the uh, environment and the setting and i think uh, he, it always feels like he's sort of satirizing characters uh you know son of the soil characters when he plays these roles and i think he did it best in omkara right uh, i just saw him in vikram veda and i think he was great i mean they both were rithik mm-hmm. and saif they both were just great they like fit there as well so he has this yeah very uh, you know uh, like some performances he just stands out saif but yeah omkara is just great did omkara do the right thing to make vivek obroy Uh, as the uh, you know bahubali was it the right thing call i mean if you were at his place would you do that same thing 
I think there's a slight problem with the connection. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Uh, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I think we can switch to audio only. Yeah. Be Can you hear me now, Rahul? Yeah, yeah, I can. Okay, you, you can hear me now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so I was asking that question of did um, Ajay Devgan's character Omkara do the right thing in making Vivek Oberoi the Bahubali? Was it the right call? What would you have done? just hypothetical <laughs> that's yeah that's a very interesting question because that puts me right in the shoes of the of the characters in the film um it's you know i honestly yeah i actually think that he was also like there was what you call a sense of keda about the way ajay devgan was handling things in that film because he knew he had power over a lot of characters in that film and i think he was uh, him giving uh, Vivek Oberoi the sort of uh, that title, I think, was also um, his way of trying to sort of um, indict and uh, sort of, I don't know, like maybe um, inspire the people around him. So I don't think that was, uh, so I don't think that was a kind or an organic sort of decision he made. I think that was in its way, a very cruel decision that he made and he knew it would affect uh, uh, the people around him in a certain way. So I may not agree with the fact that he did it, but I would have done the same thing as well. Hmm. Right, right. Okay. Now, how about Konkana Sen? Uh, how, how was her role, Indu uh, Tyagi? Uh, how, how did you find her in the film? Was it, was it was... better or Karina's was better? I I th I enjoyed her performance very much when I've been watching it again over the years. I think it was one of Konkana's better um, characters in that decade. And it was a massive decade for Konkana, uh, where sort of mainstream in the cinema really embraced her and figured out how to use her in the best way possible. Because her talent was, I was always worried it was in danger of going wasted because of uh, what an unconventional actress or heroine, so to say, she was. But I think her role in Omkara was was um, very well cast. And I she was, apart from Saifli Khan, one of my favorite uh, sort of characters in the film because she more or less expresses the same shades. It's like she's a female version of the same character. But at the same time, she, um, because, you know, she is associated with the Saifli Khan character, I think she, um, it's because of, because gender plays a particular role in the film and in the setting, uh, I feel like she did a very terrific role, a uh, uh, terrific job of sort of showing those negative shades in a subtler way. Because she couldn't be as um, she couldn't be as outgoing as the male characters in the film, and I think nobody other than Konkana might have done it. Right. Do you have any like of the three films? Who's your favorite? Favorite Nimi. Konkana, uh, I mean, Tabu's two characters or Karina's or any favorite among the three films? Uh, uh, 
tough to say. I, I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to compare it really, but of the female characters, I definitely say Konkana is, mm. I think right now, my, you know, my favorite character because, see, Tabu's character, like Tabu is unforgettable in Heather and in her own way in Magbula. But I just, it's also, I feel like Heather is um, constructed to highlight how she is and her relationship with her son and her, uh, uh, you know, and the men around her. And it's designed to amplify Tabu's, um, Tabu's sort of aura in a certain way. And that's why we get the visuals we do. That's why we get those memorable moments we do in the mirror. Uh, but I don't think the film was as catered towards Konkana's character in Omkara. And despite that the sort of impact she has, not just as a an actress, but also as a character. I think that's why it puts her right up there because it's because of her that the machinations of the film run towards someone like Karina uh, and towards the other uh, sort of victim, so to say, in the film. Hmm. Right. Right. Okay. So, what was your favorite any moment from Omkara? Do you remember? Um. I think I was just like, I'll. I mean, I for me that very um, that solitary moment where sort of um, Langda Tyagi pushes the Deepak Dobrial character into the, I think yeah. uh, when they are sitting on the uh, on the bridge into the water when he pushes him, I think that very feral reaction that I had in the theater, knowing that this is someone, and I forgotten that by then that Saif was playing this character, and that was the moment I totally sort of. The Saif sort of uh, disappeared from my impression of the character and all I was left was with this very bitter character who would go to no, any extent to get what he needs. And the way he put, just the way Saif Ali Khan does it sort of woke me up to what exactly the film is trying to accomplish. So that I think, I wouldn't say it's my favorite moment, but it's definitely my most memorable moment because the other moments are so dramatic, are so Shakespearean, especially the last 15 minutes or so, especially uh, what, Ajay does with Karina. Um, it's just that these little throwaway moments stand out for me more because they tell you more about how a character is heading a certain way and how the film will collapse, uh, how the story will collapse into into this uh, this sort of cauldron of jealousy. Right. Now, in terms of songs, which one do you like more, Beedi or Namak? Or you don't like either? Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm fairly ambivalent towards both of them. I think they did okay. a great job of sort of reminding us where the film is set and what the tone of the film is. Uh, and I think Vishal does a great job of uh, not letting his music genius sort of overwhelm what he's trying to say in a film. It mm. fits very well, even if it's quote-unquote an item song. I feel like it fits very well into... Uh, how he's trying to construct the film or craft the film. And uh, in that sense, uh, you know, I, I have great admiration for him as a music director as well uh, and as a writer. But I think he, um, I think I still prefer, you know, I still prefer the soundtrack of Kamine to any of the three Shakespearean adaptations. Got it. Got it. Now, uh, related to his films, um, was any of it a misfire recently, like Pataka, Matru, Kibishlika, Mandola, anything 
that you know like it was not Vishal Bhardwaj sort of a film. Any recent film? Um, so I felt like uh, I, I won't say. I won't say any of them were a total misfire. Uh, the Vishal Bhardwaj films always have moments, even if the whole thing doesn't work for you. And you can see in those moments what he's capable of. And then it's always invariably disappointing that he never follows through on those moments on a broader scale. Uh, I'm, and I'm talking about like apart from the four films, which I also include Kamine in. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sort of... For me, I think Rangoon was where I found Vishal Bhardwaj to be most uncomfortable. The way I found Anurag Kashyap to be uncomfortable when he directed Bombay Velvet. Um, I thought Rangoon was Vishal Bhardwaj's sort of big splash in terms of budget and scale and mainstream cinema. And I thought he got a little carried away with that or a little overwhelmed with that, especially uh, the train sequences and the VFX and the last, you know, whatever, the last 20 minutes where Seth's character goes a little berserk. And, and with Kangna's performance as well. So I thought that it just felt like Vishal Bhad was trying to be something he wasn't. And I didn't see that in films like Pataka, even though it was underwhelming for me. I didn't see that in Matru Ki Bijli, which was the most strangest film I've seen in a while. Or in Satkun Maaf, which was fairly gimmicky in terms of how it tries to sort of platform its actress. But I saw that he was uncomfortable with Rangoon. And that's never a good thing, especially at someone as accomplished a filmmaker as uh, Vishal Bhadwaj. Right. Rahul, how do you call, when do you call a film a misfire? Is it like when <clears throat> the writer, like the director is making a film that we just explained he's not comfortable with? Um, yeah, I think it's not so much about the result or how you feel about the film. I feel it's about how, how honest or sort of what sort of integrity the filmmaker brings to what he's making. Like, I wouldn't call um, Simba a misfire, right? Because Rohit Chetty is doing something that he's very good at doing, or Singham a misfire for that matter, even if I don't like the film, and I didn't like any of them. uh, I wouldn't call them a misfire. I'd call them a misfire because that's the relationship between the filmmaker and the film he or she is making. And when they don't end up making what they set out to do, or when they don't end up making something that um, comes a little more honestly or naturally to them, then I call it a misfire. Hmm. Right. Like right. I'd say, uh, I'd say like a lot of, for example, I'd say um, a lot of the second half of Jagga Jasus was a misfire. Um, hmm. Even though uh, that's exactly how what you associate Anurag Basu with that messiness and that quirkiness and that sort of idiosyncratic uh, genius of him but I'd still say that you could see that um, the scale again overwhelmed him and he didn't know what to do with so many things at his disposal and I think what we got was a mess uh, by the end even though I only remember the good things about that film it's impossible to not be disappointed with how he went off his identity in in the second half of that film. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And uh, do you remember either of Blue Umbrella or Makri, the two kids' films he's made? I, I I remember Makri quite well because I myself was pretty young when I watched it. And uh, and I um, the thing about watching children's films is you normally don't notice the filmmaker or don't take the filmmaker seriously. But I felt like Makri was a very deceptively adult film in that sense, the way it was made. 
uh, i think the palette was very sort of adult in a way or mature in a way for a children's film and that's why i don't forget the actors in that film that's why you know i won't forget shweta <coughs> uh, basu prasad or i won't uh, forget the entire hansel and gretel sort of adaptation in a way and i thought it was very um, it was very unusual for that kind of film uh, the way vishal badwaj sort of used it and that's when i learned his name also because i hadn't seen blue umbrella blue umbrella till much later and i very much like that film as well but i i think my first vishal badwaj film i actually watched was makri and i didn't know he who he was then i didn't even know him to be a writer or a lyricist or a gulzar protege nothing like that so for me it was a breath of fresh air and i was always more inclined towards the darker side so i was very happy he didn't go full tim burton on it even though he had the opportunity to right right uh, and then you know his son made kutte recently yeah. uh, it didn't work did you see shades of bhardwaj in that film i haven't seen it i will watch it soon <laughs> i saw too many shades of his father in that film and i don't like talking about um say you know actors actresses filmmakers who come from famous you know parents and hmm. who are in the same line but it's impossible not to talk about it here because there's it's not shades or inspiration it's a hangover it's it's about trying to make a film uh that you don't come from like to put it quite simply vishal bhardwaj came up a certain way he comes from a certain environment setting a certain uh, aesthetic of struggling he came up in the 90s which is a very different era of bollywood and he's seen uh, a very different world than say someone like his son who's been brought up in bombay uh, in a very urban environment and not in the kind of environment that say uh, that say the anurag kashyaps and the varadwaj came out of in the 90s uh so when their children try to ape their films it comes across as very superficial and gimmicky and wannabe and dishonest and i think this was that film uh the hangover was so strong that you know and i can't blame him you grow up with your father sort of uh sort of basically being around a father who makes a certain kind of who has a certain language of filmmaking of course you want to uh sort of do that but it's very important to find your own voice and hopefully he'll come you know with age with time but hopefully he also realizes that this was a big mistake it was a big blunder to ape his father without really living his life because whether you like it or not he's far more sheltered than someone like uh, vishal badwaj uh, and who made the, who made it on their own terms and i know the nepotism word is very strong these days here but this is an example of how it rubs people the wrong way and a lot of people were very uh, disappointed that someone who has the best of cast the best of actors on a platter someone who has vishal badwaj who can just call up actors and actresses and they would do anything for him uh make such a disjointed and uh, an absolutely um, a very sort of hangover film like this is not a good thing but again you know he's young and maybe he'll learn to find his own voice with time but i just hope he does not make these hinterland films these decoyed films these uh sort of films that vishal badwaj grew up making because i don't think he's that kind of filmmaker and i i won't say i know what kind of person or filmmaker is but it's very obvious that he isn't this person hmm right because the star cast was just great tabu and yeah. i was so happy with tabu and konkana together if i have to put the if i have to really be like brutal about it i'd say it's probably tabu's worst performance because she's been directed very badly and kokana just there you you can tell for the heck of it she's just there for two or three scenes 
and as you said you know it's hard to go wrong with a cast like this but you can also see that the cast knows that something is wrong because they are such experienced and talented actors themselves hmm. and i saw the teaser of kufia uh, i don't know i mean vishal bhadwaj i hope it's good it just made me like you know it's too dark and too like yeah. it's again it feels like you know it's that typical netflix cinematography mm. types yeah. which <laughs> just makes me a little nervous uh, but there is tabu and vishal so let's see mm. what makes next okay um Yeah. and then uh, you know like i once randomly read something tweeted something about uh, talwar and then somebody got offended yeah. but there were some accusations that you know he mentored meghna gulzar on the talwar as well which i felt mm. it seems true because the talwar was very good and because uh, mm. i'm not taking meghna's credit but mm. i think they have something going on so uh, mm. how do you like talwar i i mean if i had to really like uh, say that it was one of vishal bajwaj's best films like mm. if to if i have to put it bluntly because you know you could sense that he was behind it and i wish he makes those kind of films also a little more often rather than this dark netflix template or this rather than this interlinked template that he keeps going back to uh, and i get it you can't fault a filmmaker for what they make but i do wish that vishal badwaj indulged himself a little more in true stories like this because it was such a different way of uh, such a different take uh, such a distinct take on something that such a notorious crime such a uh, open ended sort of event in uh, sort of indian history uh, especially uh, you know a case like this uh, i mean you could see the vishal badwaj stamp in a lot of those scenes in the way in the way irfan and tabu's sort of marriage was handled uh, in the way uh, the investigation was handled i just wish that vishal himself made those kind of films and i know meghna gulzar uh, is credited as the director and maybe she should rightfully be credited as that because there's a reason that bharatwaj hasn't made um, you know i wouldn't say simpler but more sort of accessible films like that while still not compromising on the real life sort of story it's based on so uh, i found myself en- envious of that film because that is the vishal badwaj or that's the right i want to see more often and uh, i don't get to see that enough because i feel like he wants the kind of templates that will challenge him as a filmmaker more often and that's why i feel like he chooses uh, those kind of scripts or uh, he chooses to write uh, his films a certain way so that he can direct them a certain way um and i'm a big fan of talwar i still think it's one of the better films made this century mm right got it okay i think we spoke enough of him and now in the next uh, segment <clears throat> we'll talk about rajkumar rao okay yeah. and here i'll first bring um one review like from your review of newton uh where you might have sort of forgotten it but i'll read that line you said that it's a testament to rao's sober performance that in spite of his character's blatant underdogged dogness he remains mm. difficult to like he could have easily bastardized newton into this village idiot simpleton caricature in order to earn our sympathy but the film remains rooted to its interludes instead 
Uh, mm. Do you think that Newton is one of his best performances, or what would you rate his top three performances? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think Newton is right up there. It's a great film, first of all, and um, and it's nice that you read that because I totally forgot writing that. But I do come to think of it, I mean, it is one of those rare underdog characters that you never really are supposed to like, and that's a very big. Um, that big credit to the actor for that, and Rajkumar Rao was in his golden period then. You know, he was everything he was touching, everything he was doing, I was turning to gold. So uh, for me, yes, that was definitely a very deceptively good performance because it looks simple on the outside. You know, he's playing a lower caste sort of uh, very honest, uh, you know, to a fault uh, sort of election officer uh, who's stu- who's so stubborn that he almost becomes an antagonist by the end. because the world has sort of pushed him into madness because of how sort of dishonest it is or how cruel it is and i think uh, i think he did a very good job of playing that character of sort of going unhinged by the end of it uh, yeah I, i definitely think it's probably in his top 3 and it's a difficult thing to do with rajkumar rao because uh, you know there have been ups and downs and there have been times when he's chosen the wrong films that uh, i am not been a big fan of what he's been doing in the last couple of years but i would never doubt that tomorrow he can come up with a performance that will sort of um you know uh, get us back on in his sort of corner and that's the kind of actor is and i'm very happy to see him sort of come up and even earn the kind of mainstream popularity that he has over a couple of years thanks to scree and the success um but yeah i i think um, newton would be right up there in in for me at least and the reason you know this reminded me like i mentioned this because even in queen you know his character wasn't yeah. uh, like you know a positive but uh, again it was not purely negative wasn't purely positive but he just made it uh, like it's a very difficult character that character of vijay uh, yeah. in queen you know you have to be unlikable <laughs> but you don't have to come across as you know toxic sort of a thing so yeah, yeah. I, i felt he was he did it very nicely there uh as yeah. well and nobody else would have sort of you know played it to you know come across as uh, like this way but i really like that also so you made this comment of like how was monica oh my darling uh, was huh. uh, like you mentioned this like in the last few years any films that he shouldn't have done uh i i quite like monica oh my darling hmm. and i quite like him in the film uh, i thought it was a terrific <clears throat> ensemble cast in general and mm-hmm. for me it was a i won't say it was a return to form or anything but it was a good reminder of what he's still capable of in terms of being a director's actor in terms of pay, playing this shifty gray character that he often does right yeah, because as you said he's never really a villain or a hero he's somewhere in between uh, some moments he's a villain some moments he's a hero and that's difficult to do uh, when you can't tag a character a certain way and i thought he did that very well in monica my darling which was which could have easily become just a very campy sort of homage to a particular kind of uh, genre of storytelling but i think vasanbala and rajkumar rao had a very good uh, partnership in that and there's a very good understanding between both of them in terms of what rajkumar rao should have done or should not have done i don't think he's made great choices in the last couple of years that te- technically almost always happens when you become a more commercially bankable actor you can't begrudge the actor for his success 
but you also can see the few mistakes he makes um, like i have reviewed almost all his films and uh, i think i've found a lot of them underwhelming i didn't mind him in beard uh, which i watched recently anubhav sinha's film but uh, again i won't say he was the best part of that film and uh, for some reason i you know i'd have to say this his face looked a bit funny in beard that was distracting i don't know what it was but he does not look like the same rajkumar rao anymore uh, as he maybe used to 3 or 4 years ago but he's done a bunch of underwhelming role like hit the first case i reviewed last year i didn't like it at all it was a remake and it was um, i think rajkumar rao was on the average in that film uh, i thought he was very good in badai do one of the most underrated films of last year uh, i very much liked him which is why i was very happy in 2022 to see him sort of return to at least our discourse critical discourse because it's very easy to be in commercial discourse these days but i thought he was uh excellent in badaido especially in the breakdown scenes especially in the meltdown scenes because uh i never considered him a good crier he was always a little over the top especially when he's supposed to be drunk in scenes and cry or or um sort of vent but i thought he did a very good job of being in the closet in badaido and expressing that frustration um of being of having the pressure of portraying a certain kind of masculinity in a certain kind of india uh while being so sort of uh, suppressed and while being so self contained and i thought it was one of the better performances of last year but then he's done films like hum do hamare do which i which i reviewed with he did ruhi uh, i'm just looking at it there are a bunch of them i didn't like him in white tiger at all uh, it was totally off um especially his english his american english accent or whatever it was I think that was really pushing it i didn't like him in chalang either hansel mehta's film uh and made in china as well so there's a bunch of films like that yeah. and uh, these all these all of them came out after three and that was a problem for me um, but again you know it's understandable at the same time i quite liked him in judgmental hai kya even i quite like that film as well um, again he played an extension of the character he played in queen in that uh, but it was a very it was a far more complex film than lot of people give it credit for think he did a good job there so that hitomis thing nature of him is a little disconcerting but uh, i'd say he's a he's one of the best actors in hindi cinema working today still right and then in bareilly ki barfi did you yeah. overshadow aishman right <laughs> yeah i was just watching it a couple of days ago uh i was just watching it and he definitely overshadowed aishman there's no doubt about it i mean he was really really good in that film and of course everyone liked him the most in that film because it just it's not just the character that was more crowd pleasing it's just the way he played it that um, motorcycle scene where he just changes yeah. image you know, over in over 3 seconds became so famous for a reason right like you could you could live it with the rajkumar rao character and i was very disappointed that the film became about the two men despite starting with the woman and it became about this contest between the two men and in the end the less deserving man gets a woman sure in real life maybe that happens all the time but if you're making a film like this uh, which is more or less about this manic pixie female character uh, then her agency being diluted didn't work for me and that's why bareilly ki barfi sort of lost lost its way a bit for me but i thought it was one of uh, ayushman's better uh, sort of sorry rajkumar's better character and it also proved that he can do comedy and he can do funny really well not by playing a comedian as such but by very much 
being a nerd or being a, an introvert within his own environment he gets you you saw a bit of it in ludo also you know mm. those quirks and also i think he he has a way of going about sometimes it may look over the top but sometimes it just works like it did in bareilly ki barfi right absolutely okay uh, i think rahul we covered a lot today so it's almost mm. an hour we spoke so uh, i don't have any more questions as of now but we will be back in a few weeks with another set of topics so thanks everybody for listening and thanks rahul mm. as always for your insights thank you thank you